with the set aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, have grace and mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to glorify you by carrying your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're gonna, we're finishing a vision for you. And uh, every time I read these uh, last couple pages, I get more out of it. And this is the ending of the first uh, 164 pages of the book, which is the um, directions of recovery from a hopeless condition of mind and body. Um, we only had a couple pages to uh, read, so I thought I'd go back a little bit. Is that okay? But now I can't remember where I was. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to start at 161. And um, when we finish this, uh, we'll go to There's a Solution, and we'll cover that on Saturdays and Wednesdays. And we're on uh, about to start where the disease centers. And uh, Chris, great stuff. Every time I go through it, I've learned more. Um, it says uh, they started to uh, um, have these meetings at the Williams house and so um, they would it says uh, I'm gonna go to uh, page uh, 160 many a man yet days from his hospital experiences stepped over the threshold of that home into freedom because this is how AA looked in the beginning and it's it's a lot different now and of course, there were only a few people at each meeting, and there were small groups. And they only had three groups, remember, before the big book was written in 1939. And they had about 70 people sober when they wrote the big book. Um, many, an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer. And we went through this last week, but I'm going to read it again. He succumbed to that gay crowd inside who laughed at their own misfortunes and understood his. Impressed by those who visited him at the hospital, he capitulated entirely. I like that. He capitulated entirely when later in the upper room of this house he heard the story of some man whose experience closely tallied with his. And what they did in that upper room was they would do the third step and they'd get down on their knees and do it with the new person. The expression on the faces of the women, that indefinable something in the eyes of the men, the stimulating and electric atmosphere of the place conspired, notice a conspiracy, to let the new person let him know that here was a haven at last, a safe place. See what it was like then? Because remember, that when the new person came, everybody else had worked the steps. And they, they uh, were uh, all in this in the fellowship of the spirit, which we're going to read about on the last page. The very practical approach to his problems, the absence of intolerance of any kind, the informality, the genuine democracy, the uncanny understanding which these people had were irresistible. So you see it was different then. And that's what AA was like in the beginning. And then think about how it is today. Is that true? Um, he and his wife would, and they went together, the husband and the wives, would leave elated by the thought of what they could now do 
So they're leaving thinking what they could do for someone else, for some stricken acquaintance in his family. They knew they had a host of friends, new friends. It seemed they had known these strangers always, and that's the bonds that we can connect with each other. They had seen miracles, and one was to come to them. They hadn't seen it yet. It didn't happen yet. They just went to the one meeting. But the miracle, the relationship with God, the um, ability to see the truth about their thinking and about alcohol. They had visioned the great reality. Notice the capital G, capital R. Their loving and all-powerful creator. Now this house will hardly accommodate its weekly visitors for the number 60 or 80 as a rule. Alcoholics are being attracted from far and near, from surrounding towns. Families drive long distances to be present because this, is, this was Akron, Ohio. A community 30 miles away has 15 fellows of AA. That was Cleveland. Being a large place, we think that someday its fellowship will number many hundreds. And I think Cleveland has hundreds of meetings. So think about that. And that was uh, 80, 83 years ago when they wrote the book. But life among alcoholics synonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals. I think people need to know that. Cleaning up old scrapes, um, getting right with uh, uh, the people you harmed, helping to settle family differences, explaining the disinherited son to his irate parents, lending money and securing jobs for each other when justified. Remember, it has to be justified. These are everyday occurrences. No one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially, and that means in a uh, friendly way, if he means business. So we have all these, uh, you know, uh, uh, desire to stop drinking, but in the, in the beginning, it would, they would welcome you cordially if you meant business. If you didn't mean business, then it was, it's really a waste of time. But we don't do that. We say you have to have a desire to stop thinking. No, drinking. Sorry. That was a joke. Susie thought that was funny. Good. Um, good. She can come back. Yeah. Um, if he may, so, social But it's true. Dr. Bob would say if, they're, if, you're, if you're not done, he'd move on to the next one. And so I don't know if somebody's completely defeated and has seen the truth about their situation or not. Usually tell, you talk to them for a while and you ask them something and you ask them to do something. And they usually, if they do it, they may be defeated. And if they keep doing it, then they, but a lot of times they'll, they'll do a little bit and um, they're just not ready. And that's why people die of alcoholism because they, they, they don't stay defeated or they never get defeated. It's very hard for the ego to get uh, the alcoholic to give up on himself and turn, the, turn away from himself. It's very hard. And the recovery rate's pretty low. And, and now that we have other substances, uh, the death rate's going up. It's quicker. It says no one, uh, social distinctions, petty rivalries. We don't have any petty rivalries in AA, do we? Uh, jealousies. These are laughed out of countenance. Being wrecked in the same vessel. Remember, we're all shipwrecked. Being restored and united under one God with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others. The things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? Isn't that something? 
I'm going to read that again. We're wrecked in the same vessel. We're restored and united under one God. With hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, not our own. The things which matter so much that some people no longer signify much to them. How good they. We, we, we worship different things than we did when we came in here. We worship God in serving him and others and not ourselves and what we need and what we want to get. What a change. Under only slightly different conditions, the same thing is taking place uh, in eastern cities. In one of these, there's a well-known hospital for the treatment of alcoholic and drug addiction. Oh, no. I didn't read that, did I? I mentioned drug addiction in, in an AA meeting. Oh, no, don't call New York. Uh, remember a doctor's opinion. He said, we suffer from alcoholic addiction. Now, uh, when I, 20-some uh, years ago, if you said you weren't an alcoholic, there would always be one person who would carry on and say, you know, this is AA, and you shouldn't be here, and blah, blah, blah. That may have been true. It may be true today. I don't know. But I think that if anybody wants to find God and they come here, we should welcome them. And, and, and remember, if you have a spiritual illness and you're separated from God, you, the, the things you do to treat that can take different forms. You can gamble. We have gambling now in Kansas for those listening on the podcast, so you can lose all your money on a Sunday afternoon. And they justify that. But they do have a little warning on it, that if you have a problem, call 1-800. I had to pause it so I could actually read it. And, uh, and uh, uh, so we have that, and we have sex, and we have uh, money, and we have uh, drugs, and we have alcohol, and all sorts of stuff. Strip clubs. Strip clubs, there you go. What? Food. Food, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, now we're recording. We want to behave. Um, he says, many of us have felt for the first time, but we shouldn't look down on anybody else. Anybody who wants to find God, we should have our hand out and be there to help them, because that's what it's all about. And that should happen in churches, it should happen in AA meetings, it should happen everywhere. Many of us have felt for the first time the presence and power of God within its walls. Notice the capital P's. We are greatly indebted to the doctor in attendance there, for he, although it might prejudice his own work, has told us of his belief in ours. Now, why did they say it might prejudice his own work? Because when the book was written, alcoholism wasn't considered a disease. We were just sinful, weak, immoral, weak-willed, stupid people. And uh, he was able, uh, the doctor opinion, he was able to describe the disease of alcoholism. But it's a disease like no other. Remember, we read that on There's a Solution. Because it means annihilation of all the things worthwhile. Every few days, this doctor suggests our approach to one of his patients, understanding our work. He can do this with an eye for selecting those who are willing and able to recover in a spiritual basis. See, they already understood when they wrote this book. There are a lot of people who cannot or will not do the, give themselves this program because they're not willing and they're not able to recover in a spiritual basis. Now, who cannot? Be willing. Those people aren't completely defeated on themselves. They haven't seen how powerless they are over alcohol or managing their own lives. And who, who is not able to recover to spiritual basis? There are people with some serious mental illnesses that make it very difficult, psychiatric issues. But you can't recover 
on a spiritual basis unless you could be honest with yourself. Didn't we read that tonight? And to be constitutionally capable of being honest means that you can see that there's only two doors, alcoholic death or spiritual life. There's no third door. You can see the truth. I could see that moment of defeat when I could see I was done. I had no way to fix my life or keep from drinking or using. Many of us former patients go there to help. Then this eastern city, there are informal meetings such as we have described to you, where you may now see scores of members. So they were informal in the beginning. They didn't have a lot of rules. Uh, there are the same fast friendships. There's the same helplessness to one another, helpfulness to one another as you find among our Western friends. I think we have to be careful not to make rules in AA, but we do. We, you, know, you go to meetings and they'll tell you the rules. And you can't do lead the meeting if you don't have six months or three months. You can't read this book because it's not AA approved, which means they don't understand what AA approved is. Uh, well, if you hear that, just say, Dr. Bob read Sermon on the Mount at the first AA meeting from the Bible, and maybe that's a good book to read. Uh, get the hint. Because the big book that we're reading now is a really how we, get, how we learn to do what the, the Bible tells us we should be. And the Bible tells me how I should be and I should practice the character of God and live in harmony with Him and do His will. And the big book has the 12 steps on how, if I follow those steps, I can accomplish that to the best of my ability each day. And I grow in the image and likeness of my Creator. It says, uh, there are the same uh, fast friendships, there's the same helpfulness to one another as you find among our Western friends. Now, Akron in those days was the West. And uh, there's a good bit of travel between East and West, and we foresee a great, great increase in this helpful interchange. Remember, this is a vision for you, which was really their vision of how this all may take part in my life, how I become a part of this, what will happen to me. And they had no idea what would, how it would be today. There are, what, 125 million, co 25 million copies of the big book, 150 languages, maybe more, maybe 100 million copies, I don't know anymore. Someday we hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find a fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at its destination. Now notice the capital F. You see, the fellowship they're talking about is a group of people sharing the same, um, uh, seeking the spirit together, seeking, seeking the same solution. Now I became a fellow of the American College of Physicians. And to do that, I had to do three years of training and I had to take a two-day test. And to be part of that group of people who were fellows together. The fellowship here, uh, I think the, the, uh, you could say you, you, it would be good if you worked the steps it would be good if you practice these principles in all your affairs and if you're working with another alcoholic, you see. And so the fellowship is a fellowship of people who have a common problem, but they have a common solution. And to some extent, this is already true. Some of us are salesmen and go about. Little clusters of twos and threes and fives have sprung up, up in other communities through contact with our two larger centers. Those of us who travel drop in as often as we can. So there was New York, and there was Akron, and then Cleveland. 
Cleveland was the first group to take the name Alcoholics Anonymous from the book. The book actually has a name. It's called Alcoholics Anonymous. A lot of people, there may be people who don't realize it. And they, they, they took the name. Uh, somebody gave them the idea for that name. Said they were going to call it The Way Out, but there were too many way outs already. And there was no copyright for it. And somebody said, why don't you call it Anonymous Alcoholics? And they thought about it. And then they named it Alcoholics Anonymous, which I think works really well. So none of us should identify ourselves individually. We should identify ourselves as a group. We're alcoholics together seeking a common solution. We have a common peril. And that's why we have to be anonymous at what, in what way? We shouldn't be anonymous at meetings. And we could say somebody's name if they're an AA here. But we don't want to go on TV and say, I speak for AA. And you guys are obnoxious and terrible and blah, blah, blah. And then you get drunk. And then they'll say, AA doesn't work. And so that's why they kept it anonymous at the level of press, radio, and films. Nobody should go on TV. You don't see anybody go on TV and say, I'm a member of AA. And we just don't do it. Because we, we have a spiritual principle of anonymity. And you see why that's so important. Nobody says anything bad about AA, if you notice. The left and the right badmouth each other, but you don't hear them say anything bad about AA. Because AA has no opinion on anything, right? We have no opinion on outside issues. The only thing we have an opinion on is that there needs to be a warning level on alcohol. It needs to say, this will run out. But they haven't done that yet. But you know, really, and that's, uh, I think that's why we, we uh, you don't see people taking paparazzi photos outside Beverly Hills AA meetings. You never see that. You never see it in the food store. So-and-so went to AA meeting. It's respected. People are glad that people are going to AA and NA, that people are getting help. Um, Thus we grow, and so can you, though you be but one man with this book in your hand. So they felt this book was very important. And they sent it out to the world so that you would read it, do what's in it, and then take it to someone else and go through it with them. And, and they didn't realize that that's hard to do on your own. The book needs, to, I think, uh, it helps if it's taught. And so that's one of the reasons I do this meeting. And I had to learn it. Somebody taught it to me. But we believe and hope it contains all you will need to begin. And what are you beginning? The journey to God. And that's a lifetime matter, remember? We know what you're thinking. You're saying, I'm jittering alone. I couldn't do that. But you can. You forget that you have just now tapped a source of power much greater than yourself. That's sixth sense, remember? And so a lot of people don't feel like they can sponsor or help other people. Well, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be around. What if the 12 apostles said, well, no, I don't think I can go around and talk about uh, Christ. You know, they, Christ didn't ask them, if you noticed. Uh, they were sent. And that's why uh, we, we should really send each other out together to help other people. I hope people listening aren't upset if I mention something about scripture. But, uh, but think about it. two men met in 1935, and look what happened. 
and this book was printed, and look what look what's happened. How many people have been helped? Um, to duplicate with such backing what we have accomplished, and here's all they say, is a matter of willingness. Are you willing to do it? You have to have patience, because it's difficult working with other alcoholics. And labor, you have to take the action. And remember, no labor, no result. If you don't take action, you're not going to get any results. And there was somebody there to help me, and I hope uh, somebody new will find uh, someone to help them. Somebody emailed me. They live far away, and they not a lot of meetings where they are, and and they wanted to uh, know about Zoom helping and this and that. And I said, I said, well, you pray, and you ask God to send you someone to help you. And in the meantime, find a meeting. And I got an email back, and he had found the meeting, and he had a, he had several people wanted to help him in numbers, and he was as a sponsor. And so if we if we take the action, God will send the right person in. But if we don't take the action, it's not going to happen. If you're in the desert, and you're on the rock, seeing a rock, and you say, God, get me water, uh, it's not going to happen unless you get up and you try to find it. And so that's why it says into action, not into thinking. You get it? We know of an AA members living in a large community. He lived there but a few weeks when he found that the place contained more alcoholics per square mile than any city in the country. I don't know where that would be. It's a competition. This was only a few days ago as of this writing, 1939. The authorities were much concerned. He got in touch with another prominent psychiatrist had taken certain responsibilities for the mental health of the community. The doctor proved to be able and exceedingly anxious to adopt any workable method of handling the situation. Why? Because there's no solution. Medicine doesn't have any solution for this. So he inquired, what did our friend have on the ball? So ask yourself, what do you have on the ball to help somebody else? And our friend proceeded to tell him, and with such good effect that the doctor agreed to a test among his patients and certain other alcoholics from a clinic which he attends. Arrangements were also made with the chief psychiatrist of a large public hospital to select still others from the stream of misery which flows through that institution. So they tried to select the ones that they thought might be defeated and might be willing to do this. So our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. Some of them may sink and perhaps never get up, but if our experiences are criteria, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, that's with a little f, that fellow. Now, is the, was there a recovery rate 50%? No. It was 50% of the ones that they selected to come that they thought might do it. And really, I don't think there's any way we know really what the recovery rate is. Because if you know anything about statistics, you have to know the bottom number, the numerator, and the denominator. I, I know that I've, we've given out a lot of 30, 60, 90-day chips, but we have a lot of one-year chips sitting right here. And through the years on my phone, I've had so many names, and uh, I can't tell you a couple hundred of. And I used now when I write somebody's name down, in the beginning I would write Jeff. Now I write Jeff Wednesday night works at Dillon's. So I could remember if Jeff called me and I could say, now, tell me which one you are, because they, it's a sea of faces in AA. It's just a sea of faces. They come and go, and uh, it's, that's the disease.
It's not because people are good or bad. It's because of the disease. It's a spiritual illness. And uh, it's, so I don't know what the recovery rate was. I'm getting off here, so I, I hope I finish. I have one more page. When a few men in this city have found themselves and have discovered the joy of helping others to face life again, there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had his opportunity to recover, if he can or will. There it is again, if he can and will. You have to be willing, and you have to be able to do it. And so I have a lot of passion about this because uh, I've discovered the joy of helping others, the joy of, of the change in my own life, the peace and serenity that has been afforded me. I'd like everybody else to have that. And so um, it says, still you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you write this book. I don't think that's true because I feel like I know the people who wrote this book from doing this meeting all these years. I've done what, 1,500 meetings? I feel like I know these people. I feel like they're, 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 I know them very well. I remember Joe and Charlie, I listened to them so much, they changed my life. And Charlie died in 2011, I think, or 10, and I was on a cruise and we were on the Red Sea. And uh, somebody texted me and told me that Charlie P. died. And I remember I got really misty-eyed. I got really, really felt sad. And, and my wife said, well, yeah, Charlie meant a lot to you because she knew I listened to him over and over and over again. They changed my life. And so uh, I feel like I've had, I've had the benefit of contacting them. God will determine that. And here's a key line. So you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. That's really the theme of the big book. My reliance has always got to be upon God, not me or other people. If I rely on me, then I just get fear. And if I rely on other people, I make them my higher power. He will show you, and I, I'll tell you, God works better than me or others as my higher power. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. That's really interesting. And what kind of fellowship do you crave? What is your goal? What are you seeking? That's an interesting question. It says, um, and I'm the only person that can create the fellowship I crave. And so sometimes if you're in a fellowship and it's not working for you in a meeting or something, find someone else find something else. Um, the thing today is you can get so much information on the internet. You can hear great speakers. You can go Zoom meetings. It's there if you want it. Our book is meant to be suggestive only, but it's an important suggestion. I will say that when we did the COVID meetings, we did three days a week, right, Stu? for about 14 months, and that was really great. I'd sit in my chair downstairs, we had people from all over the world and the country, and we'd share, and we'd read the book, and I did the meeting, and then we'd open it up, and we didn't limit it to just an hour uh, at times. It was great, that was really special. Um, we realize we know only a little. That's true, and that means humility. I need to stay humble. I need constantly need to stay humble so I can continue to learn. Once I stop being humble, then I won't learn. And then const God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. And he will 
if I realize I know only a little and I ask God for knowledge of his will for me and the power to carry that out, right? And if I'm seeking God through prayer, meditation, and inventory, God will constantly disclose more to me. Remember, we, we don't get a degree. We don't do a certain amount, we get a certificate. It's a constant. And remember, we, we're seeking progress and we wanna grow in understanding and we, we're marching down the path of spiritual progress. Now what happens if I stop going down the path of spiritual progress? I'm going back to the path of alcoholism. And how long can I stop going down that path of spiritual progress and have a defense against the first drink. I don't want to do that experiment. So this is great. It's suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you could do each day for the man who's still sick. I don't ask him every morning about myself. In fact, I, I include that every day. I ask the Lord. I say, Lord, who will you put in my life today that I can help? Or who can I reach out to to help? Who should I call today? And I don't ask anything for myself except that I be able to grow in his practice, his character, and who can I help today? It says the answers will come if your own house is in order. If you're not, your house is in order. And the answers come from God, by the way. Uh, they're never going to come from me will come in your, uh, my house is in order. How do, I, how do I know if my house is in order? If I'm in order with God, he's God and I'm not. If my thinking's in order with God's will for me, and if I'm in order with the world and I'm willing to make any amends and I'm not in conflict with everybody and everything. And my house has to get in order every day because each day I'm living with my alcoholism. And we went through on page 84, Hunter and I before the meeting, the instructions in that one paragraph, how to live in the now with God. But obviously, uh, and you won't get the answers if your house is out of order, why? Because you're blocked from God. So if my house is in order, then I'm, I'm free to have God work in my life and to direct me and but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. So you, you want to get it so you can transmit it. And also you want to get it because if you don't get it, you're in deep trouble. So they're telling you, so what do you have to get? See to it that your relationship with him is right. Is my relationship with God right? I can't transmit anything if my relationship with him is not right. And so, how do I know when it's not right? I'm disturbed. Anybody get disturbed? I get afraid or I get irritated or I judge. I'm a good at judging. I'm still good at that. But it's, uh, I don't practice it very much because it's silly. Um, but my relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for me and countless others. Isn't that a great promise? If my relationship with him is right, great events will come to pass for me and countless others. Now that goes back to my favorite line in the big book. Uh, Susie's new, so she doesn't realize that I have about a thousand favorite lines in here. But on page 100, it says, Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world 
no matter what your present circumstances. And then here's the best one. When I look back, I realize the things which came to me when I put myself in God's hands were better than anything I could have ever planned. Isn't that neat? And so if you're ever into self-pity or you're feeling a little uneasy or, you know, uh, just read those two lines and look back to where you were when you came in. And, and everything we have, we should be so grateful. Just, just for being sober, just being able to work the steps. And I want to live in a new and wonderful world and I don't want it to depend upon circumstances anymore. I can live in a new and wonderful world no matter what the circumstances. Now that's a great promise because I used to only be happy when the circumstances were good. But now I can be okay no matter what the circumstances because I'm with God. And I'll say, God, I have circumstances happening. How do I deal with them? Keep me, keep me, give me a sense of peace and serenity to deal with them. It's the serenity prayer. It's the St. Francis prayer. It says, this is the great fact for us. Notice the capital G, capital F. The great fact for us is that if my relationship with him is right, great offense will come to pass for you and countless others. Now the great fact is also on page 25. So there are two great facts in AA. I guess uh, there's great and greatest. Uh, so we'll look at page 25. My book's a mess. The great fact is this is just this and nothing less, that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized my whole attitude towards life, towards my fellows, and towards God's universe. And then the central fact of my life today, and this is true, it's the absolute certainty that my Creator has entered into my heart and my life in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has compensed to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. And then the whole point of the steps is how, does I, how do I continue to allow God to accomplish things for me which I could not do for myself. And now the, this last paragraph, it's so powerful. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Abandon yourself. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows, steps four, five, six, and seven. Step three is abandoning myself to God as I understand him. Admit my faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of my past, eight and nine. Give freely of what I find, step 12, and join us. Isn't that beautiful? Just beautiful. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. I wrote Holy Spirit for me. Uh, but the fellowship of the Spirit, capital F, capital S. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. And the road of happy destiny is in capitals. You might want to think why that is. And trudge means to walk difficult or labored, slowly and with effort. And the road of happy destiny, I think it's in capitals, because it's the path towards God. And you're walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Doesn't it say that in the book? And so you're walking hand in hand with God. May God bless you and keep you dash until then. So I don't know about you, but I've read that page. I can't tell you how many times. But every time you read it, I can't believe how beautifully written it is, how it all ties together. It's very, very powerful. And you can't see it, but this page of my book is pretty hard to read the print.
because I've written so many little things, but I just, I'm an alcoholic, I can't give up on my book. And so I hope this was helpful. Thank you.